0: Hey okay, everybody, on the run with Beards and Dunn is back again. Hey Beards, how are you doing man? Hey, I'm doing good Dunn. I'm in,
1: uh, actually just got to the Radisson Hotel in downtown Duluth because this weekend it's uh, probably my favorite favorite race ever the Grandma's Marathon. It's 40 <laughs> I believe it's it's 47th uh, annual oh, wow. grandma's marathon this weekend. And of course, you know, I don't run it anymore, but I do a talk with Carrie Tollison. It's called the Dick and Carrie show tomorrow afternoon. That which would be Friday and, uh, at four o'clock. And then on Saturday morning, I'm in the lead vehicle doing the radio. And this year also a combination television, which you could actually walk, watch their new Bern or yeah, listen to it, sure. uh, in front of the elite men, which is always lots of fun. Uh, you
0: know, I've, gone up to the longest day marathon and and the black hills marathon i've got to go back to those races a couple times and and when i used to live there i actually would say do you need anybody i was lead bike for a couple of these races yeah i remember and I you, that what's the best place to watch a marathon from the lead vehicle or the lead because you're up there with the guys that are really duking it out racing and it's 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 really fun to watch and well, the, at it, the time it, just flies by it does and done you know when i'm in the
1: radio uh or in the the, the lead vehicle with charlie mauer he's uh works for twin cities marathon and and charlie does most of the work he gets all the facts and and then kind of like you he leads me into a story or something <laughs> like that but you know obviously i can't run one lap at the pace that these elite men are running at now <laughs> yeah. but 40 years ago i could sure. and so i can i know what they're going through physically and mentally so I, you know you try to Relay that to the listeners in layman's terms so that they understand it. And and
0: you're right, Don. That 26.2 miles, it goes by quick. Maybe not when you're running all the time, but right. when you're in the watching it. And, you know, we're definitely going to talk about grandma some more in the near future because, you know, Dick, at 47 years, you had the fastest time ever until just a couple years ago. Now you're number two with a 209.36, I think yes. it is. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. When you said you could run that fast a few years ago, no kidding. And you know, and I just want to mention before I forget, if people hang in there, we got an announcement to make at the end of our today's podcast, a big one. And I'm super excited. And I hope I think everybody who's listening will be super excited when they hear what we got coming up. But uh, okay, well, let's kind of recap. We we finished off with the beards, kind of made your I call it your breakthrough. I mean, you were a national class runner, you know, with a two sixteen. At the olympic trials you know 16th fastest yeah. in the united states and you followed it up you backed it up with a nike uh, otc in eugene with a 215 20 i believe it was yep and so you know that was your 216 definitely wasn't a fluke because you were able to come back within a relatively short time and do it again in fact a little faster but then you had the opportunity to go to new york city where you you ran your two thirteen fifty five. and i was actually looking at some results Bill Rogers was fifth and ran like 213 and change. Right. I mean, man, the, the fifth through 10th guys, I mean, if you we were tight. Oh, you were tight. I mean, you could have yeah. just as, just as almost not easily, but but a few, few seconds per mile faster, you would have been easily, you know, in the top five. But anyway, right. that was, that was really when I think people said, oh, God, there's some guy named Dick Beardsley and Holy smokes. He's pretty fast.
1: Yeah. That was, that was definitely a. Opened a lot of doors after that oh, race, that's for sure.
0: That is so cool. Well, you know, not to take, steal your thunder, but I was actually, after my wedding in May, I was healthy. And I started training that summer. And I spent most of June and July just building the base, building the base. And then in August, I'll probably put it on extras. I actually have my, my race results for 1980. It's not a lot. I have it about seven or eight races. And they, they were getting faster. You know, right. I, just, I look back, and when you're 22, 23 years old... I could whip myself into shape in like four to eight weeks. And I was absolutely back, you know, running, you know, I think I, I actually won the Augie uh, Cost Country Invitational, SDSU, DORT, USD, all these runners got to there in Sioux Falls for the uh, Augustana, Uh, Cross country invitational, and they let independent runners. I, the Prairie Striders, I I represented. I got to enter, and I was fortunate enough to win that race. And so I didn't win a lot of races in college, but that was a feather in my cap to, to, you know, beat my old teammates and and some of these competitors from USD and stuff. And so I was really getting fit and ran some more races, and I really had a target. Of the longest day marathon, which is in Brookings. It's called the Brookings Marathon now. They called it the longest day back when it started, because they actually did it on June twenty-first. Can you imagine? I, oh my gosh. And it was a it was a, oh. it was a it was a huge one lap course. They went six miles one out of town, six miles west, six miles south, six miles east, six miles north. Twenty six miles and it and was not just, a oh, and not a, a smitten of shade not a drop of shade and hotter than blazes and, and that's how they did it back in the sixties right. and seventies. Well, they finally said, "Hey, let's move this into town." And and so when I did it, it was a two lap course around the city of New, uh, Brookings, and and so I had set that as a goal for that year. And then, I mean, uh, hey, Don, yeah. excuse me for interrupting, but then. Did they they move that to the fall then? Correct. They did. Yeah. It was in. The, it was like November. It was after. Like actually, Beards. I'm glad you brought that up. It was a week after your New York two thirteen. You actually got in the car and drove to Brookings because you knew I was running the um, the marathon. And I and you and Karen were in the in my support vehicle. Yeah. If you would, I, they didn't have support vehicles, but you could just jump in a car and follow the race. There was no prohibiting you from doing that. No. So you were there and. And I was pretty fit, and my old college roommate, really good friend, Randy Fisher. Now this is 1980, and when you mentioned the grandma's marathon, I think he ran. I know he ran in '79 or '80 because uh, I think '79. B- I know yes. it was '79. He got third. Yeah, B- two nineteen. Uh, yes, because Gary Bjorkland won it like two ten. No, that uh, was in
1: 1980 when Gary ran okay. two ten. So
0: Randy got so maybe, third maybe fish again, ran it. I think it was in, right in there. He was yeah. fit. And so I was excited. Right. He was excited. We we're good friends. Train. We lived together for three years in the same college dorm. So we definitely got along. We were like brothers. And yeah. um, so Randy said, well, let's do this, Mike. And so we never really liked racing each other. Cause we liked each other so much. And it and didn't speak to this. You know, when you're in a race, it's every man for himself, right? You're, you're there as you're, you're there representing you, but. You know, when you're with the teammates or with the good friends, we'll we'll help each other out. I mean, if somebody's you know hurting a little bit, you'll say, hey, just drop in behind me, catch a little draft. Yeah. Much drafting and running. Well, you get a cup of water and you, you're you're going to throw it away and you go, ah, oh, here, buddy, you need some water. I mean, we're not we're not cutthroat. It's not like we're tripping people out there. We're we're helping each other. We're each trying to do our best, and if we can help our buddy, exactly, encourage each other, we did it, we did it. But it is a race. And so we said, well, let's run together because we can kind of feed off each other. So Randy said, you bet, you bet. So we got to the starting line, and I was excited because I grew up with the Brookings Marathon was always kind of one of my goals, and I never had run it, and Randy had I'm gonna go on and give something away. Randy goes on in his career to win the Brickings Marathon five times. Did he win it five times? He won it five individual titles. There. Nobody
1: else has come close no, to that. No, no. They? They,
0: I, I joke and I hate to say things like this. If they ever want to rename the you know Memorial or something, you have right? to right to honor somebody. Sometimes they name races after you. Yeah. I, I swear that should be the Randy Fisher
1: no Marathon kidding.
0: because the guy dominated it. And I'm going to tell him he's, he has the course record. He had the course record he set in 1980, in 1979, he ran 223.29 and had the course record. So we show up the next year, and I, so I know Randy's fit, I'm fit, and we took off. We ran the first 13 miles in, in 110. We were right on, and we said, let's try to run 220 pace. Okay. Yeah, you know, we both were fit enough to do it. So we ran the first lap in an hour and 10 minutes, the first 13.1 miles. And, and I know you were out there. My folks were up there. My mom and dad were watching the race. And that really helped motivate me and you guys sure. in the car. And, and uh, Randy, we, we were running well together. And I'll just tell you something. You know, we didn't practice drinking very much in those days and really didn't drink water during training. No. I never did. And, and it was a cool day. And, and I think that was another one of those races, aid station every five miles. I mean, it's just how we did it. We thought that was overdone. We didn't need right. water every five miles, but they had it. So we got by the five mile mark and neither one of us said, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to get a drink of water. And Randy said, yeah, me neither. So we got to about 10 miles and we, and Randy goes, you stop him for some water, Mike? I said, nah, I feel great. I'm not sweating. I, I feel good. Okay. Well, he didn't want to let, you know, if you, if you slow down to get a drink of water and the other guy doesn't, well, he's going to get a, what a 30, 40, 50 meter Probably. gap on you. Yeah. You, you choke down your water and then you're kind of like, oh, I got to catch up. And uh, and so he said, No, I'm not gonna stop either. So we got to 15, and I was feeling great, you know. And, and Randy said, Mike, you gonna stop for some water? I said, I'm not gonna stop. So he didn't stop either. And you know, I'm not I'm not advising endorsing this as a technique, by the no. way. No, and so and the wind started coming up, and, and it's a northwest wind, and we're hitting this long stretch on the north side of Brookings heading straight west. And I'll put a picture on the extras, this is a great shot of Randy and I running into the wind. And uh, it's from an overhead shot from an overpass that we have to run under, and uh, though you can see the wind, our hair is blowing up in the air, and uh, and we turned the corner then at like about twenty miles, and there was a twenty-mile station, and Randy goes, "Mike, you gonna stop for water?" I said, uh-uh. "I don't feel like I need it. I feel good. I feel good." And he, and Randy's thinking, "Man, I don't think Randy was feeling that good, and he didn't want to no. slow down, and so he 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 didn't stop either, and so we have not." I you know, I'm not gonna say we didn't grab a cup and like splash some in my mouth. I don't remember doing that. But it not was, you couldn't no. have got a half a no, cup I the, didn't drink. for the it's, first twenty. I don't I know we didn't do it, we just kept running it. Yeah. And about twenty-one, twenty-two, Randy was starting to suffer. And I don't know if it was the pace or the wind or the lack of fluids or we had no nutrition we or a combination foods, of all the of above those things. And Randy said, Mike, I'm not feeling so good. I'm 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 really hurting it. And and I said, Well, let's just back it down a notch you know cuz when you're running with somebody and there was nobody in sight behind us we, no. were, we were like 3 4 minutes ahead of third place and we're just buddies out there running as fast you know just working together and i said well let's just ease back and he goes yeah yeah thanks you know and sometimes all you got to do is take the foot off the gas for a few minutes and you know maybe kind of who you know, settle in get a little kind of get a second going. wind yeah get a second wind so we kind of did that from 22 23 and we turned we had 3 miles to go and Randy was the more I slowed down for him, the more he'd slow down, and eventually, right. I just—I know you and Karen came up in the car. Don, and were I, I remember coming by in the car, going,
1: "Come on, done. I Don't, know. I mean, run your. I think I was yelling like, "Run your race, run I,
0: your race." You know, it was—it was a tough spot for me because I really like Randy. He's a good friend, of course. And, and he was, hurting but it is a race. It is a race, and so I finally at 23 miles. I remember Randy was not feeling it, and I said, "Randy, I got to go." And and I took off. You know, I picked up my cadence and took off right. with three miles to go. And Randy didn't say, you know, he didn't say, please don't or anything like that. He knew, you know, he, he was yeah. on his own. And so I ran the last three miles in by myself. And I, I remember I got to about 26. We turned the corner on Madari to head up to the hour Field. is, And you do one half, three quarters of a lap on the track. I remember, man. I got to the track. I, I was not looking forward to that three quarters of a lap no. around the track. I wanted to be done. Well, I, I did the lap around the track, and people were running towards me. I go, Mike, Mike! You're close to the record. You're close. To... And I could have cared less. Yeah, you know, right. Because, I don't know. At the end of a race, you know, you're you're exhausted. You're getting me. Oh, hyped the up to last thing. The last thing you want to do in a marathon a sprint. is sprint. The <laughs> last thing, and I wasn't—I was just maintaining the pace. And I crossed the finish line, and they came up, and I can't remember—it was Bob Bartling or somebody or Doc Roberts, Scotty Roberts. They go, "Mike, you ran two twenty-three thirty-four. I ran five seconds slower than Randy's course oh! record. And I—you know what? At that point, you know what I said? No big deal. I didn't. And yeah. To this day. I don't regret. You know, I was happy to to just have that performance, and I felt good. Oh, yeah, that I had a good race. Randy ended up coming in at two twenty six. He he was he lost three minutes on me, and I wasn't going all that fast. And uh, so he was really slowing down. And Dwayne Millslego from Aberdeen, Dwayne Dwayne was a good runner. He's Spike, Spike Millslegel caught Randy on the track. You I remember a, that. Yeah, oh, you talk about a nightmare. You know, when you're oh. dying, a thousand deaths and you're just praying nobody man, if somebody catches me, right. there's no way. And and Randy, you know, when he saw Dwayne coming, there wasn't a darn thing he could do about it. And Dwayne passed him with like two hundred meters to go. Oh. To just take second place. And Randy had third. And and you know, bless Randy's heart, he went on after that to win that darn race, I think, at least four more times. Golly. And um and so we it was fun. And you were there, and I remember the Argus leader was up there, um, following the race you know running a marathon in south dakota back in yeah early late 70s still a big deal and and so i remember i got interviewed and stuff like that for winning and and you got interviewed because of new york one week earlier and there's a great shot of you in a hot tub in the argus leader (laughs) being interviewed (laughs) by this sports reporter. i think it was joel brown well anyway so that ended up my 1980 and it pretty much i i don't think you had any races after new york did you no No. nope that was um that was pretty much it
1: it was just you know kind of taking it Cutting back on the intensity anyhow in the training, still keeping the mileage well, up there pretty it was high. Like,
0: it was around the first of November when all this took place. And so we had all the November, December. But then I know you were kind of looking, I don't know when you you went to, to Houston Marathon in January of eighty one. And yes. uh, so that was about two two months away, two now, I think it was January tenth. And you had told me about it, and I was like just coming off this two twenty three, and so I was just, you know, like you kind of putting in recovery base miles. Right. And you were going... You had been invited, correct? Yes. The race director at Houston had contacted Bill Squires or somebody Jack Rakowski. Really? That's the race director? I still remember
1: his... It isn't anymore, but he was... The race director... I know in 1981, and then when I went back in '82 again, yeah.
0: So can can you share like how how did they do that, Dick, for us lay people who've never been recruited to go do a marathon? I mean, I've begged my way into quite a quite a yeah. few. And so how did did he you know did Coach Squires ring you up and say, "Hey, I got approached," or did how's it go? No. So after after New York
1: again, you know that kind of opened some doors, and I got a, a a phone call from this Jack Rakowski and said. We'd like to invite you to the our marathon. We'll pay your expenses, your airfare. Uh, your wife can come. We'll put you up in a nice hotel, and I, I think they might even give me yeah. like a thousand bucks, kind of under the table, sort of yeah,
0: appearance, kind money. Of, they call it, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It and so I time. thought, and and I'd heard it was you know a flat course, but back then I don't know if I've ever done, but it was on a like a part interstate. of the interstate. Yeah, it was the interstate, and it was cement. Laps.
0: It out and back, out and back. Well, Dick had told me about this. He goes, hey, Don, I got invited to this Houston Marathon. And, and I said, really, when is it? January 10th. And I'm thinking, man, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'd yeah. like to go. And so, um, you know, I, I, I can't remember. It was probably November, December. And I was thinking, I'd like to go to that race, but I have no money. And so I called, and you kind of, somehow or another, I got a hold of the race director and said, hey, can I, I'd like to come run. My best is 220 from Black Hills in 79. I just ran a 223, you know, in October. And the guy was very nice, very cordial. He goes, Mike, if you can get here, you've got a number. You're, you're no free entry. Right. You know, we'd love to have you come run our race. But again, I wasn't at a level where he'd like, oh, we're going to give you airfare and a room. He just said, if you can get here, you can run, won't cost you a dime. And I thought, okay, and I think I told you, and you go, well, done. Mary can't go. For some right. reason, her work, she couldn't take off that much time because I think you got exactly. another trip coming up we'll talk about here in a minute. And uh, so he goes, I'm going to be – you said, I'm going to be in this room at Houston. It's like the Hyatt Regency. It's right at the start area, not from the convention center. Just bunk in with me. So really, you don't need lodging, and and done. I'll just order extra food. Exactly. And you can eat off my tab. And I <laughs> yeah, said because- – they were paying for my food they too. Were, so you know, room and board. You had room and board. Well, they thought, damn, that marathon guy can really eat. Jesus, he <laughs> eats enough for two guys. Well, anyway, so you said, Mike, if you can get here, you know, bunk in with me, and you'll, you know, so all you need right. is, is airplane money. I didn't have two nickels to rub together, <laughs> and even though I was working for Athletic Attic in Sioux Falls, Neil and Peggy Graff were the owners at that time, and they were really nice people. They would give me the time off of work. That wasn't a right. problem. Neil and Peggy wanted us to out running races and. And helping and generate interest in their running store and so they said oh if you can get there well you go and and so i thought how am i gonna get there i needed like 200 bucks you know the airplane to fly from sioux falls to houston isn't it was like back then it was like 200 bucks i didn't have 200 bucks and no i was not going to go to my parents and try to beg money from my right. folks and stuff like that so i you know i thought well their local running club was really growing there was hundreds of people in sioux falls running and and I knew most of them, Rich Greeno. And, right. and I went to the local running club. I, was a, I think it was the membership was like five buck dues or something. And I said, hey, and I went to their meeting. They had a board meeting for the running club like in November. And I said, I went and, and they said, Mike, you're on the agenda. You want to speak with us? I go, yeah. I said, here's my story. And I said, look, I'm a runner. I am trying. I qualified for the 80 trials, but I couldn't go because I'm trying to break 220. I'd like to go to Houston. Would the Sioux Falls Running Club be able to fund me? You know, all I need is an airplane ticket, 200 bucks. And, you know, it's, I I, I was just grasping at straws saying, maybe. You know, I could wear the Sioux Falls Running Club jersey. You know, it's kind of like sure. what you did with Dennis Franzen. You know, right? All you have to do is ask sometimes. Exactly. And I wasn't. I was willing to ask, and I asked, and they were all my friends on the board. These, they were old guys then. They seem young to me now. But anyway, and they said, "Well, Mike, we think what you know. That, we're going to go into. Uh, they, they said we have to do a closed door to kind of discuss this <laughs> because I don't think if they would have voted and three guys would have said no and two guys would have said yes, right. they didn't want me to be mad at those three guys that said right. anyway. <laughs> i said no no problem and i left the room and it didn't take him long and they said mike you can come back in now and they said hey mike we think it's commendable that you want to go down there and we want to encourage and support you you know as much no. as we can but you know as a board we're responsible for the money and the people donate money as dues and if we give you cash well who's to say the next guy who isn't maybe as fast as you ask for money and now we, right. we say yes to you and no to him and. Uh, you know, it just gets a little muddy, and I said, "No, I understand. I, 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 nothing personal." I said, "I just, I just checking, just asking." Right. And so, as I was getting ready to leave, the meeting was coming to an end, you know, and all that. And I have to give a shout out to a physician. His name was Doctor Bob Willicks. and Doctor Bob Willicks was the first cardiovascular surgeon in the state of North, uh, in the state of South Dakota. He had come there to start a heart program for what uh, was called Sioux Valley Hospital at the time. And Doctor Willicks was a wonderful guy. What an inspirational a heart surgeon and a uh, very, um, dynamic. You'd have to know him. T- and he was I remember just, meeting oh, him. he was he, just, was, he is just, uh, and his Great son, guy. his son, Bob Willicks jr. Lives in Raleigh, not far from me. And we've met and we've swapped stories. Bob Willicks jr. Was a little kid at this time. Yeah. He's a full man. But Dr. Willicks came up to me after the meeting and he was on the board for the running club, handed me a check for 200 bucks out of his own wow. private account. And again, Beard, you know, it almost tears me up. You know, I know. These, this is a guy who said, "Well, here's some young guy. He's got. He not got money. But he ain't got no money. I've got money, but I can't." He wanted to see how fast and help me to see how fast right. I could be, and he wrote me the check. It gave me a check for two hundred bucks, paid for the ticket, and I was wow. I got a ticket, and uh, I was never so happy. So, you know, before, so the race is January 10th. Well, that Christmas. Karen and I came up to spend New Year's as we kind yes. of traditionally did with you and Mary in Excelsior and Beards, you were back. I know you're putting in 120 to 140 mile weeks, right? Leading up to this Houston marathon and I was fit. And so I, you and I started, we, we spent about four or five days together. Yes. And I have a picture I'm going to put on extras and it's a picture of you, and me sitting on a couch. We both look wasted <laughs> and that's, and I, and I'm going to capture this picture. This is what 120 to 140 miles a week looks like. Two (laughs) skinny little guys laying on the couch, (laughs) half asleep, waiting to go out for their next run. That was us. And I tell you, that was so much fun and just great memories. And I remember the Golden uh, Valley Junior College. Joe Bros, shout out to Joe Bros, uh, Tony Shockensee, Ralph Edwards, all these great runners. Studs. Oh, from Minnesota. You were kind of, I don't want to say this, you were their Pied Piper man. They knew about the beards, and they loved you. Right. And they would—they were all on Christmas vacation. They were home in the cities, of, within driving distance. Well, they'd call, beards would say, "Hey, Dunn and I are going for a ten miler this tomorrow or afternoon." Yeah, and guys would show up, and we—I remember we did a twenty on Saturday, and. There had to be six, seven, eight runners, and they were all these guys. And I it's just so much oh, fun. It was so much fun, and it wasn't a fast, hard pace. No. It wasn't egos involved, like who can hang and who's going to get dropped. It was more of just out running and trying not to kill ourselves in snow and ice. Because, but we were getting all those base miles in, and so were they. So then we cut to 1981 uh, Houston Marathon, and the Beards gets down there a day or before I did because you had to do some press and stuff, didn't you? I you did. What, what was that like? Well, it was
1: it was pretty cool because. That was the first time I was really at a big race where I was actually asked and got interviewed by the press. Up to that point, nobody really knew who I was, well, you 213, know. Your
0: two thirteen ninth at New York kind of gave you yes, that notoriety, right? It yeah.
1: did, and um, so I remember in uh, Houston, Tentacle was the major sponsor, right. and they were a big oil company right. yeah. back then. So I met all these big wigs, and and uh, I got to to. Uh, to run into bill rogers again because bill was coming bill back was invited and,
0: kind of as the premier runner
1: right and and bill was the, the premier marathoner in the world at that point back then and so it was it was very exciting and and then knowing that dunn was coming <sighs> down and we were gonna bunk up i mean <laughs> I was like, it well, was then, uh,
0: like we're back in college again i know i used to remember it. it was a it was a great list there was jeff wells ron tabb there's a guy named lionel ortega who I yes. think it went, ran really well at a night. John Ludwig, John Ludwig, and these guys were all you know national class and a couple and Bill Rogers and world class and or oh, it went on and on. Yeah, Jeff Wells had run like two ten and stuff like that, and so it was a loaded field. And I was just like, I remember I, my race number. I think they seated us by like I had a two twenty thirty one. I think I have number twenty one. I have it in okay. a scrapbook. That's how much it meant to me. I kept my. I don't keep many race numbers. That's what I kept. Yeah. In and, uh, and Boston, and so I had like. So I guess I may have been the 21st fastest guy in the field with my 220 marathon. So there were like 20 guys probably under 220 right? ahead of me. Well, anyway, I get into town. I get a. I don't know how I got a shuttle to the Hyatt Regency. And I went up to the front desk and I was scared to death and I go yeah um I'm Dick like, go oh, yeah you must be Mike Dick said you'd be coming oh just took the I was like I, I felt like I was took doing, the pressure I off I felt like I was doing something illegal you know I'm yeah, sneaking, you're not gonna be just thinking you're not into, gonna be sleeping out in the hallway <laughs> on the floor I'm sneaking into Dick Beardsley's room don't tell anybody you know <laughs> we're only paying for one room and one ride yeah anyway so they let me in and I just was hanging out then you showed up and yeah it was so good to see you. and And it was the day before the race. And I don't remember anything of that night, except you ordered plenty of food for both of us. Right. A lot of pasta, pizza, stuff like that. Well, the next morning then, we could run to this uh, convention center and they had a VIP room for the invited runners. Yes. And you obviously were one. I was quasi-invited and that I was given a free entry. That was about it. Right. But I was hanging on to your shirt tail because when we got there... I don't know how the guy screened who got into this VIP room or not, but you did, and I was with you. I, oh, yeah. I was glued I, to your hip. <laughs> it was like I had you by the hand. I know, like a it's like I, I, I'm a, I'm a dick. <laughs> I'm a dick. I was the entourage. Well, I got in there, and here's all these invited runners sitting around, and everybody's a little. It was pretty quiet. You know, right, right for a marathon, everybody's trying to get in their game face, and I know you're kind of famous for that, and uh, we'll get into that later, but. Finally, it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of race time, and everybody's kind of deserting this VIP area. And, you know, you're hitting that bathroom for the last time, which finally worked for me that day. I was able <laughs> to get in there. But I just remember you and I got out of the VIP area and went out to get to the starting line. Yeah. Beards, how many runners were there between you and me and the starting line? Do you remember that? I don't. Oh, it was a crowd. I don't. Oh, dude. It was like a thousand people between you and me. Oh, I must have been panicking. Oh, you I were bet. freaking out, and you said, <laughs> and you go, "Holy shh!" you're like, "We got to get to the front." And and Beard started kind of going, hey, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me," and he's kind of, you know, most runners like, "Hey, buddy, you stay in your spot." I got this, right? And they looked at you and they looked at your number. What'd you have? Maybe two or three, four? I think that, yeah. He had a he had a very low number, and they, single digit. And somebody goes, "Hey," and they and it was like the parting of the Red Sea. Right, they, they created a, I don't know how they did it, but the crowd just split and you kept, and you kind of jogged. And man, I was glued to your hip. <laughs> you were. if that crowd <laughs> would have closed in behind you, I'd still be in a thousandth place. Well, you know, Don, you know, you you spend all these months
1: training and here it is a big day. And then, you know, my biggest fear was always.
0: Missing that, the start. Get, <laughs> yes, oh. exactly. Well, I just remember you said, hey, I've got to get to the front. I've, I mean, you were kind of beards i probably a little For panic, me, i got pretty arny oh, you got a little panic and, and it was a splitting we got right to the front lined up the gun went off i can't I'm, I'm gonna give you my version because mine is pretty quick we went to the mile i have in 457 now i'm a 220 marathoner and i'm now running 5 11 11 pace five minute miles is two Und- 11. under under 2, 11 two 11 pace. 11 pace. And i felt great i felt really easy and i'm thinking. <laughs> This ain't gonna last long. And I and I had to make that decision. There was a lead pack of about eight of you guys, Herm Atkins, Ron Tabb, Jeff Wells, Lionel Ortega, Bill Rogers, Right. Bearsley, and I'm right there and I've seen a couple of photos I think you have one. I think Bill Rogers had one in his running store of like the uh, at the mile mark, I can see myself in the very back of the pack yeah. just starting to drift off because I thought I have got to back. I cannot run at this pace for a marathon. So I, I fell off that lead pack after the mile and went through two miles and I have this all written memory. 10 tan. Went through, like I was just, I was flying along there but all at once I was in no man's land and I don't know if you know what that means, Dick. I'm not fast enough to oh, run yeah. with the fast guys and I'm not, there's nobody behind me. And it's, it's
1: the worst place to be. I,
0: I might as well be out on a training time trial. Right, I, You guys are, uh, you know, within three, four miles are pretty much with, I can maybe see you on the straightaways down the road, yeah. or, you know, two minutes ahead of me. I look back, nobody behind me. I'm running alone. And you, you're just, okay, That's tough. it is, it is. You just have to really kind of get in your zone. And I, I went through the first half in like one Oh seven and 44, I think it was. And so I was like, okay, I'm doing Jesus. I'm on 216 pace here and i i I, and I felt good i felt good but it's starting that second lap and beards i don't know you can share your thoughts but when you take off on a marathon on a two-lap course one lap down that's great but then you're starting that second lap and it's, it hits you damn i gotta yeah. go do this again and it's i know and it gets tough i would i don't like that i don't but it's just the way it was so i'm running along at about you know 14 15 miles feeling a little sorry for myself running alone and who should come up on me but al zetterland and steve benson two buddies from Minneapolis Oh for sure I didn't know personally they knew you really well I oh, knew yeah. them they knew me and they were like hey Dunn how you doing and I go oh I almost said you guys it is so good to see you <laughs> I've been running alone <laughs> for like an hour you know and, and these guys come along and they, and I and and they were going a little faster than me at this point I was kind of so I dropped in behind them, and I said hey I'm just going to yeah, run with you guys if that's all right and they're going, sure we don't care run where, yeah. you know, they, and they were friendly very nice and and they were, you know, it wasn't conversational, but it wasn't like, you know, a 10K where everybody's just on the edge of dying. So we were running along and, and we got to about 19, 20 miles and all at once I start feeling good. Yeah. And they're like, they're not, you know, and Steve and Al were like, ah, man, I'm starting to feel, you know, they were kind of that 20 mile mark. And I, and I, I I'm not bragging. I, I kind of said, Hey, okay, you guys, you know, have a, I didn't say like, see you later or anything, right. but I just kind of slowly left them. I was going, they were kind of slowing me down a little bit and, and not sure. that much. And I took off and all at once up the road, I could see runners from your group, Dick. That it, yeah. You know, I mean, when you get to 20 at that front group, stuff starts to go wrong really fast. And I remember starting passing runners. I remember I passed, I think Ron Tab ended up DNFing, but he, yep. he fell off the lead pack. And I think with four or five miles to go, he knew he wasn't, he wasn't going to waste it, you know, run 220, no. 221 and just jog it in. So I remember passing Ron Tab, and then I remember catching Jeff Wells. I thought, Jeff Wells? He was just – he was falling off the pace. Hurting, too. And then, I can you not, every time I'd catch, I'd see another runner, and that, that jacked me up and got me moving. And I got to, like, 25 like 20 – I'm looking for that 26-mile mark. Who do I see in front of me but Lionel Ortega? And I knew who – he was in Runners World Magazine. Beards. Yeah. I, I, I passed Lionel Ortega at about the 26-mile mark. And let me tell you, there was no – I was – I was moving because when I cr- turned and I could see the finish line clock. They finally I, I ran a race that you can see. It. it was just like 2:19 and change, and I sprinted, and I ended up running 2:19:48 and got seventh. First time under first 220. time under 2:20. What a feeling oh, that Beards. must have been. Done. I was on. I was just and I got seventh. I was seventh overall, and I was like holy. and Now I knew you were ahead of me, and I didn't but, know anything then, more than that because I sat. Well, Beards is up here somewhere. Beards, you were already being interviewed. I remember I crossed the finish line, and they gave me a Houston Tentacle mug, <laughs> like a, yes. a glass, and they gave me a Houston Tentacle belt buckle. <laughs> and like that's everybody, all the I think the top 100 got the mugs. Mm-hmm. Everybody got a belt buckle. And I grabbed those things, and I was just grinning. I was a Chessie cat grin from ear right. to ear. And I went into this, like in, again, where the invited runners, if you're in the top 15, 20, they kind of – squire you into this area and there's Dick sitting at a table with Bill Rogers you and John Ludwig the first three and, and I go Beards how did you do <laughs> and he goes Don, I got second you're giving me goosebumps I said, and he goes Done. I ran 212 I go Beards I, I ran 219 I think you're as excited for me as I, was. as I was for you and I go Beards I got seventh and he goes Don. and then you had to kind of go back and he goes I go Beards I'll talk to you later yeah 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 so I head off to this recovery area they had for runners, all this buffet, drinks, sandwiches. And I am just, I am just like on cloud nine. The endorphins have kicked in. I'm, and I find a, I get a glass of, you know, water. I get a, something to eat. And I'm sitting there just loving life. And you bop in and you're just loving life. And then Bill Rogers, I, I, I can only tell you this truth. He was a hurting unit. He had like a stomach gastric problem during the race. And you can talk about that in a minute. And he was like in the out of the bathroom. You know, he finished that race. I think he was in and out of the bathroom. And his his jersey he wore a Bill Rogers singlet had holes in it. And the reason I found out later, when he crossed the finish line, the guy that takes that little tab off your number, right? That that they didn't have the bar scanning in that day. They put it no. on a hanger or something like that. That he was having trouble. And Rogers wanted. He grabbed his race number and yanked it off his jersey, and it just tore the safety pins right, tore yeah. holes in it. And I remember they, the guy felt, and he was like, don't worry about it. He, he can afford another one. And he was up there with his his, his wife at that time, and um, he was not feeling well at all. You, you were bouncing like a little kid on Christmas Day. You, <laughs> well you had done. that grin on your face, and you were jacked, and now I'm going to let you you talk. Well, so somewhere around
1: 10, 11 miles, we still had a pretty good pack, and I, I made a, I, I did a hard surge try to break open the pack and the only one that came was bill wow. everybody else didn't come is, so i see i didn't know that i, I don't yeah and to her. i forgot and i don't even remember i had a beard back then it wasn't the one only time i ever had a beard <laughs> yeah. it was the ugliest looking beard you'd ever <laughs> seen but you know when you when we came back into town and had to make that sharp turn to go back out again right. there's a picture i'll try to get it sent to you so you can put it up on the oh, yeah. post here but there's a picture of Bill and I coming around this corner side by side our arms our legs are in the exact it's a cool oh, I shot love to see it. so we're going out and and Bill and I are pretty much running you know side by side Any conversation and, or not uh, no not yeah you know, not much okay. not much until about was it about 22 or 23 miles we're coming back towards downtown right. you know mm-hmm. and there was kind of a field off to our left in some woods. And and Bill goes, he goes, Dick man, he goes, I gotta dig a dump. So 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 what did he what's he, he telling a, you for? Well, yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> he cuts across the field, and now I'm out there in the lead. But I was I I I'd, I'd had an on and off side stitch a little bit, you know. So Bill, I, I'd never seen a guy take a dump so quick. I, he I heard it was twenty to thirty seconds. Somebody told me later. Yeah. And um, so all of us, next thing I know, Bill's. Bill's right there with me again Wow! so now now there's no talking and we're both running hard I'm doing a a few surges Bill's doing a few surges and then gosh dang it with maybe about a mile and a half to go I I got that bad stitch again and uh, you know right at the time when Bill kind of threw in one of his patented surges and I just I I just couldn't couldn't go with him and And he ended up he ended up beating me by like thirty, 30 seconds he ran or two
0: twelve nineteen. You ran two twelve forty-nine. Yes. you just broke and took another over minute off your PR from New York just back two months ago. Right. And that's so why, I was tickled. Oh my gosh. You were like a kid on Christmas morning. You just finished second behind Bill Rogers and you kinda God, it was a, I heard it was a great race and uh I remember then in in the re, we were up there you know in the recovery area and a guy named Herm Atkins you mentioned Herm earlier how he, yes. he sprinted you for ninth place in that last trip to Honolulu right. well Herm was at this race Herm Atkins Chuck Hattersley was there all these yes. great runners and I remember Herm Atkins coming up to you and he and, and he and Herm was a cool dude he, he he's, was. he's just a nice guy and he goes beards beards like you got second and he goes yeah yeah I ran two twelve and Rogers beat me by thirty seconds and Herm Atkins basically said. And I'm not quitting. he goes, beards, you know Bill got fifteen thousand dollars to come to this race. He said, if you would have beat him, you'd be in that spot it. next time you know you know the king of the road, when you're the top dog, they want you in your race. Well, if you beat the top dog, you're the right. top dog all at once <laughs> now was close. you were and you know, and it's kind of like that in all sports. You know, if you watch the PGA or something, the guy who wins the Masters gets like I'm going right. to say two million bucks. The guy who gets second does well, but the the, the 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 difference in the money is pretty pretty sizable. Yeah, the cream rises and to it comes the top. down to one one stroke, and it costs you a half a mil you know, or something like that. Right. Well, in your case, it you know that thirty seconds was the difference between you and knocking off Bill but, Rogers. But done. you were so tickled. I was so tickled for you. You were tickled for me. And then that night (laughs) we, we party on baby. Here's the deal. Beards and I, you know, walk jog back to our motel. The right, the Hyatt, right. The Regency Hyatt Regency, I think it was called Hyatt Regency. Yeah, They had elevators on the outside of the building that were made out of glass and you could rock it up the side of this thing and, and see the view about make your stomach puke right but anyway we were, we got up to our rooms showered up i think oh, i know i called karen i'm sure i called collect i don't know remember if you called you know mary collect probably something like that well finally you know the houston tenneco race committee had uh one of the executives who's a gazillionaire had a, a, a vip um social at his home that night And you were definitely invited. I was with you. And I felt not so guilty now that I was in the top 10 finishers. So you, they picked, they came and got us in a limo. And I remember Ron and his wife were there. Um, I can't remember who all rode in the limo with us, but we jumped in the back of this big stretch limo. And, you know, we were still feeling great. The endorphins hadn't worn off. We went to this, this mansion. I mean, there was a buffet, there were drinks, all you wanted. And so we were just loading our plates and, and you took me over and I really appreciate this. You go, Mike, come on. I want to introduce you to Bill Rogers. And I was like, I like, this is, you got to be kidding me. I mean, right. Rogers, I was in high school when he won his first Boston I'd been admiring and, and I don't want to say her here or worshiping this guy, but he was one of my running heroes. Mine too. He, you led me over and Bill was obviously feeling a little better physically now. And you go, hey Bill, I want you to meet my uh, best friend Mike Dunlap. And he goes, hey Mike, how'd you do today? And I go, Bill, I got night, I ran my personal best, two nineteen, I got seventh. And he was like, man, that is awesome. I mean, he I he was really a cool dude. And uh, and I remember he shook hands with me. And Beard's his hand was this tiniest little bag of bones. The guy <laughs> was like a bird. I mean, I've shaken you're you're skinny. Bill's hand, right. I thought I crushed it. I mean, it was, he's got like lady oh, hands or something. Oh, he's got girl hands. Shook, he does. I shook his hand and it was like, it was kind of. He still does. Oh my God. I hope he's not going <laughs> to listen to this because he'll probably be offended. But no, I mean it was very and it was kind of just noteworthy. And he was so very, very nice guy. We sat, drank, talked. We you know mixed with the. And then somebody said, "Hey, let's go. Let's go to Gillies." <laughs> and Gillies, if you don't know this, watch the movie *Urban Cowboy* yes. with John Travolta and Deborah Winger. Gillies was going full blast in 1981. I mean, it was the place to I go. I forget. It's huge. It's got honky talking. baby. It's multiple nightclubs inside this building, multiple right. bars, dance floors. If you watch the movie, you'll get a little taste of it. So they haul us down there, a couple limo loads of these skinny runners. And we're all, you know, we're having a few brewskis because everybody's feeling pretty good. And I remember sure. Al Zetterland, Steve Benson were there. And we're all having fun. Everybody's, they have these electric bulls. You remember? They, right. they have them like, like three bulls, them, three or four of them. And they got Al Zetterland, Steve Benson, God, there was somebody else. Gary Gary, Gary Bjorkman was on, on one. And the the guys that run the bulls all look at each other, and they're making bets on who can throw their guy first. <laughs> and the guys on the bulls are all making bets on who can stay on their bull the longest. And, I, and, and those guys were flying through the air because they were just like little <laughs> 125, was, 40, 30-pound runners. And then they go, crazy. hey, done. Beards, your turn. And I remember you and I looked at each other, and we said, there ain't no way... We we did not get on the bull. No. I don't care. I would have broken a missile. Oh, me <laughs> anyway, too. So then we headed over. They had these punching machines. Now, don't laugh. That's right. You could put a quarter or something, and you had a punching bag, and you'd wind up and just freaking smack this thing as hard <laughs> as you could. it prove what a man you are. And so here's all these skinny little 130-pound runners oh. hitting this thing. And, oh my and I remember gosh. you were out there, Cecil Gotenberg. Cecil yeah, Gotenberg. Yeah, from, from Sweden. She got second. Patty Catalano won that race. Yes. And she finished second. And, and you love to dance. And I am right. not a dancer, and I hate it. Karen will tell you, she can't drag me out there. I will, just for her. But you were sitting there with Cecil and she's just a cute little girl from Sweden. Oh and you, yeah. And you, and you, and I had been oh. good. I had become good friends with and her. Your leg was a bop and you want, and she was sitting there and you go, Hey, Cecil. you you go, yeah. And you're out there doing the cotton eye Joe and all this stuff. <laughs> right. Well, it would be like midnight. I am, you know, we've run a marathon today and we're, we've been partying all night and we finally, they said, Hey, we're taking a limo back. Anybody want to go? And like you and I are like, we're and you had to catch, I am not kidding, Beard. It's like a six thirty a.m. flight. Yeah, early. We get into the hotel room like at midnight, one o'clock, and you go, "Done." I got to get up at like five, (laughs) and I've got to. They're going to take me from in a van to the airport. I'm going to try to be quiet and not wake you up. And I go, "Thanks," you know. And you go, uh, "Hey." Great job. We'll talk after you get home, and make and we'll see how things. He goes now when you get up in the morning. If you're hungry, just you know order whatever you want. Just sign my name to it. Order room or, service. Order some yeah. room service. Get yourself some food. I go. Oh, thanks, Beard. Thanks. I heard nothing, Beards. You left. I would, for all I know, you were still in the room. But I got up, and it was, I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, and I was. Oh, I got out of bed, and I'm so stiff and sore from running a marathon. And don't ask me why, but you always did it. I went out for a run. And I tried to run. I'll just call it I pogo-sticked because my legs hurt. <laughs> that concrete just pounded me to death. Oh, it does. And I, I suffered through like two or three-mile run. Shouldn't have done it. My legs were just no, trash. Nor should I have. <laughs> but anyway, it's what we did. And I get back to the room, and I go, I'm going to order room service. I ordered the biggest honking breakfast they had on the menu. It's like 30 bucks <laughs> or something like that. Pancakes, you know, eggs. So this little guy I get out of the shower finally. I hear the doorbell and it's like, yeah, hey, there wait you know, waiter or whatever. And you, and I think oh, I got to tip this guy, you know. So I reach, I had like two, three dollars, and I thought, I know. I I'm from South Dakota, but I know you always tip the guy who brings you your food. So he, <laughs> he rolls his food in there, and it's this. Little, he looks like he's old. He's probably like 50. When you're 25, everybody who's yeah. 50 looks old. Well, he rolls it in there and he goes, uh, "Here's your food." And he started taking the lids off of things and getting it ready. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. He goes, "So did you run the marathon yesterday?" And I said, yes, I did. Yes, I did. He goes, well, good for you. He said, how did you do? And I'm sitting here thinking, holy crap, I have to sign Dick Beardsley's name here. I I go, well, I got second. He goes, you got second? And I go, yeah. And he goes, wow. He said, what, that's fantastic. He goes, I just served Mr. Rogers his breakfast. And I said, how's Bill doing? And he goes, oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. Well, I signed Dick Beardsley on the receipt. Oh. I hand the guy the three bucks. I close the door, and I think, oh, my God, I just committed fraud. <laughs> I said, I'm going to get a re- I think there's, a, a, there's like a, a, what do they call it, a oh. warrant out for me in Texas to this day for oh impersonating a runner. Beards, it really, I closed the door, and I just thought, I cannot believe I just did that. And I just told this guy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but we kind of looked well, like at oh, he, he didn't question it, and I don't think he'd seen a picture of you yet. What and, a great story. Oh, my God. So... Anyway, any uh, so, yeah, Bill Rogers, you know, is a really unique guy. And I think it's, yeah. this is a good time to tell him maybe what. I think what, so. What, what, Dick, what are we going to talk about on our next episode? What, what Should okay, we have a so, guest on?
1: Who should we get? You know, maybe we should have a guest. Who is it going to huh? be? Well, it's going to be one of my favorite runners that I've been friends with. Since I tripped him at the New York <laughs> City Marathon in 1980, Mr. Bill Rogers is joining us next week. Uh,
0: I am so gosh dang uh, you excited. You just told me this before we started recording this. And I got to be honest with you, I'm going to have to prepare myself mentally because I, I might not be able to talk because I'll be so intimidated by this. <laughs> I know everybody out there is going, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But I am so super excited. You know, I've only met Bill that one time at, at Houston, um, yeah and you know I've been at races like Boston in 83 he ran I didn't get near the guy I mean I never said any a boo to him and so I have met him once uh, he was very cordial I really appreciated his his uh, friendliness and that and I've and you've got some great stories about Bill and oh and Dunn, you know of all the guys I used to compete at that
1: high level you know 40 some years ago Bill and I have I mean, remained just wonderful friends we are in contact with each other all the time we've done a lot of you know, expos and clinics together and talks. We had him into our Dick Beardsley half marathon twice in Detroit Lakes, you know, so um, we are gonna have fun. Bill's a, he's he's a great guy. Everybody, tell your friends because uh, it's gonna be a fun time next week with Bill. And we wanna thank all of you for listening and make sure you tell your friends because next week's gonna be a lot of fun. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website at beardsanddonepod.com, or please leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter—all at
0: beardsanddonepod. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe and like, and you know, and send us some questions for Bill Rogers. I'm already yeah. starting to formulate in my mind, you know, some of the things that I, I'm going to ask him, and, and I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a hoot. Done. Have a great week, Thanks, buddy. Bud. Have a, hey, Have fun at Grandma's tomorrow. Yes. All right.
1: Absolutely. Take care. Bud. Bye-bye. See you soon.